You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 800. Yes, 800 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. And thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. Yeah, 800 podcasts. That's quite a few. Uh, I, I won't always do these kind of milestones this way, but I wanted to go ahead and acknowledge everyone that's been listening since the beginning. Thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, nothing terribly special on the podcast. I know for 500, I had Travis Schlenk on. It won't be Travis Schlenk today, but we did have a lot of fun talking about this. Uh, if you missed these previously, we've done two mock drafts already. I guess mini mock drafts of the Delete 8 teams, the teams that are not in the NBA's bubble down in Orlando. Um, I participated in both of those already and ended up with some interesting picks. But today is uh, version 3 and the last one of these I think that's going to actually happen in terms of uh, pre-lottery because actually we're, we're going to know the order anyway. And uh, this time around we use a tankathon sim, etc. We'll get into that in a moment, but it was a crossover edition. I had the fourth pick with the Hawks and followed by uh, 5 and 6 with regard to the Warriors and Wes Goldberg of Locked On Warriors and the Cavs at number six with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs. We had a lot of fun talking about this, so uh, that's kind of the setup for today's podcast. Again, thanks so much for listening to all 800 episodes. If you've done that, uh, shouts to you. That's a lot, a lot of time that you've invested in the show. But uh, without further delay, here is the crossover edition that I did with Locked On Cavs and Locked On Warriors in mock draft fashion. It's a Locked On mock draft crossover, the August edition of the Delete Eight. I'm Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs. Uh, we're going to do the, f- the fourth, fifth, and sixth picks in this draft across three segments on the show. Joining me today is Wes Goldberg from the Lockdown Warriors podcast. Wes, what's up, buddy? Uh, not much. Happy to do another mock draft. These have been really fun, so, uh, but I think this one's going to be a little bit different based yeah, on the uh, previous one. Yeah. Yes, which, which, is, uh, which for me is fun. And then also on the call here is Brad Rowland, the host of Lockdown Hawks, who has the uh, fourth pick in this mock. Here I am, and thank you for having me, gentlemen. This should be fun. Brad, let's just dive into this. Um, you, so just so people know, in this Tankathon sim, which I think will be the last one of our Tankathon sims before we get the actual draft lottery on the 20th of August, uh, Charlotte goes number one and gets number one in this situation. They go Lamella Ball number two, which to me, I don't know how you guys felt about it, was a stunner. Um, and Tyrese Halliburton going number two to Detroit. Number three, Killian Hayes uh, goes to the Wolves. I will take credit for blowing up trade talks there because I wanted to finish the mock draft so we could report this podcast. Um, and then we get to number four. And Brad, why don't you let everyone who you took at number four? Yeah, first of all, you said the uh, the Tyrese Halliburton pick was, was, was a surprise. I would definitely say that is uh, accurate. I was surprised okay, cool. by that. Um, I, I, can I just chime in with the Halliburton thing too? Yes. Because yeah. uh, it seems like most, mock drafts or most mock draft people or whatever we want to call it have Killian Hayes over Halliburton I I, I'm not there I don't think Killian Hayes is that great of a prospect I'm not really sure why people love him but that's not really the point of our podcast or this question but the Halliburton pick did make sense just given that Detroit moved up um, and that they want a point guard but if you moved up that far to number two where Detroit did I don't know that Halliburton should be there but I will say the Warriors like, if I were in that situation with picking for the Warriors and, and you know, Anthony Edwards had gone number one, I think I would have probably taken Tyrese Halliburton for the Warriors at number two, too, because I just think he's, he's an interesting guy for a, from a fit perspective. 
Uh, but that's a, that's that's really it. I just more surprising than anything was that we led this draft with three point guards taken in the top three. Yeah, I, I will say if it was the Warriors taking Kyle Burton, I would understand it a lot more because I think he's pretty much a role player and maybe not an on-ball point guard in the way people might think he is. So I think his upside's not that high. But with with the Warriors, the fit would be uh, good, and that would make a lot of sense because he he's be, he'd be playing with guys who can create shots and all that stuff uh, in Detroit. I'm not exactly. really sure how he does that. But alas, um, I don't want to sidetrack us too far. Right no, the I, top, I but, just uh, want to say Matt Shook, like, good for you shooting your shot in this in this draft on behalf of the Pistons. Like, some wild stuff. Honestly, this, this draft is so weird that I'm okay with most things. Like, it's not, nothing's going to mm-hmm. offend me too bad in this draft. <laughs> yes, fair, fair, fair. Um, but, yeah, back to the pick that I made. Uh, honestly, I was pretty stunned at number four for the Hawks to be able to get Anthony Edwards. Uh, so I went, I went with Anthony Edwards. And, honestly, it was a pretty easy decision. I, I thought about it for exactly five seconds, I think, after the pick came through of Killian Hayes going number three. Um, realistically, I doubt that he will be available at number four overall in the actual draft. But the way this broke down, he was. I probably take Edwards at number one for the Hawks, maybe number two. I know I took Lamelo Ball on a previous mock draft. I I I would I would definitely defend that at number one overall. But it's uh, for me if the Hawks won the lottery, it would be it would be Ball versus Edwards for me. So knowing that and with that as a backdrop, I think Edwards is a pretty much a no brainer at number four. Um, I'm not like over the moon about Edwards like some others are. I know in some circles he's like a he's a uh, a natural number one overall pick by himself i'm not quite that high but at number four the value is really good he has uh, some star power i think he could fit pretty well next to trey young so uh for me this is kind of an easy one Wes, where did you yeah, think of it? I, I, no it was a no-brainer like like brad said i think um there <laughs> there there's not a clear number one here in this draft at all but anthony edwards is pretty much the consensus guy where because he does have on-ball experience, but it's easy to project him in an off-ball role. And then athletically and physically, you know, there's things that he brings to the table that guys like Lamelo and James Wiseman don't have, right? Like Wiseman is a freak athlete as a center, but he's only a center. He's not a power forward. He can't do anything else. Where And then Lamelo Ball, like defensively, there's major concerns. Is he athletic enough? Um, is he big enough to guard multiple positions? I don't think he's big enough or physical enough or athletic enough to guard one position. Uh, but Anthony Edwards, is all those things where he, you could project him in a way that, okay, he can guard three different positions. So defensively, he's versatile. And then offensively, like I said, he had a lot of on-ball experience at Georgia. He wasn't efficient, but at least he has the experience, right? And in, if you bring him to Atlanta, I think that would be a home run pick, not, for the, not only for the Hawks, but for Anthony Edwards, because he wouldn't be asked to be on the ball. They've got Trey Young there, a genius passer and playmaker, where it's going to make his life so much easier. He's going to get more open shots than he ever got at Georgia. He'll be better his first day in Atlanta than he was his last day at Georgia, regardless of the development that he can do at the NBA level. It's a home run pick. It's a no brainer. I, I would agree. I think, in, I think in this draft, like I've said, you know, the, the 2013 draft, which I know very well because Anthony Bennett, um, <laughs> I love pain. You guys real big masochist over here, but like, I remember reading some of the stuff in that draft and like Ben McElmore was a guy that a lot of people had as like this number one prospect. And I don't think him and Edwards are like similar in that sense, but it's just, I think we could see something like this. Like it would not shock me if for whatever reason, you know, Anthony Edwards falls to number four. I mean, one of the guys that has not been drafted high in any of our locked on locks is, is, um, is James Wiseman. And like, would it shock me if he's a top three pick? It really wouldn't, frankly. Um, you know, and Onyeka Kongu could go really high if something really likes him. Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like there's so little we know about this draft. And there's also just the lack of the kind of the smoke and kind of where guys want to end up and stuff right now, whether it be Edwards or the Milo Ball or whatever, just because there's no 
there hasn't been, at least to date, that in-person aspect of workouts, of the draft combine, of where a lot of the gossip gets passed around. Everyone is so focused on, rightly, on the Orlando bubble that the draft is kind of like in this weird nebulous space. And I think that leads me to think, because we don't know as much and it feels so inconcrete, that like something like Edward slipping to four, whether that's Atlanta there or some other team, like could be in a position to get him there just because of how weird this draft might be. Yeah, the the intel is really sparse right now. It's still so early. I think it's going to pick up once the lottery happens, which is coming pretty quickly here. But I mean, to, to what Wes said about Anthony Edwards in Atlanta, I've, I've been saying this over and over again. If I'm Anthony Edwards' agent, it might sound counterproductive to want to go play with a guy in Trey Young who dominates the ball. But I think the best possible thing that could happen to Anthony Edwards is going to a team like the Hawks or like the Warriors where he's not the number one guy. He's a guy right. for me that does not profile as a number one option. Um, could he be that? Certainly. He certainly could become that. He has a lot of upside, but I think just in terms of his safety, in terms of what he needs to be able to figure out at the NBA level, I would like him a lot more as someone rooting for him to do well if he went to the Warriors or the Hawks where he was uh, more in that off-ball role. He can sort of use his cutting, maybe improve his defense because he's going to have to do that as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that fit for almost, almost even more so for the player than actually for the team. Wes, any final thoughts here? Um, I just think I agree. Um, I, to me, Anthony Edwards, I mean, we – this draft, we tend to do a lot of comparisons because we just don't know much. And I think we do a lot of comparisons in drafts, but specifically with this draft, because we didn't get March Madness, we didn't get all the tournaments, we just don't have as big of a sample. And just in general, like James Wiseman bowing out after like, you know, three minutes of game time at Memphis or whatever it was. Like we just, there's not a huge sample of this draft. So we tend to just uh, latch onto comparisons. And I, and I think we can get in trouble with like Anthony Edwards. Is he Ben McLemore? Is he Deion Waiters? Well, he's not, he's, He's probably none of those guys, and he's probably got any sort of range of outcomes, and you get in trouble when you do stuff like that, just like Wiseman. Is he Rudy Gobert? Probably not, because Rudy Gobert is huge like James Wiseman is, but Rudy Gobert is also a genius-level defender, and we've never seen any of that from James Wiseman at any level. And so I, I just I don't want to fall too much into comparisons. That said, <laughs> Anthony Edwards reminds me – his situation reminds me a lot of Jalen Brown coming out of Cal and going to Boston, and Jalen Brown at Cal was asked to – be the lead guy, be the entire offense in a non-existing offense. Basically like, hey, we have this guy who projects as a top five pick. You figure it out. And that was kind of the offense that Georgia ran with Anthony Edwards. And then you have Jalen Brown go to a well-coached team with a, a lot of other ball-dominant guys in, in the Celtics, and all of a sudden he thrives. And he's immediately a better player at, with the Celtics than he was um, in college. And when, when the Celtics took him, I mean, people thought that was a little bit of a reach. I don't think that'll be the case because that was actually a good draft. I don't think that'll be the case in this draft. We haven't picked Anthony Edwards, but his situation reminds me a lot of what Jalen Brown was. And I bring that up to people and they, you know, on the, on these podcasts and other things, and they tend to uh, agree with that comparison, but um, situationally it reminds me a lot of that. And I, for that reason, I think he'll, he'll just be immediately better at the NBA level. And then that should contribute somewhat into the evaluation. I think that's all right. I, I personally am hoping Atlanta gets to do something fun cause in this draft just because I, I think that's just such a fun, interesting situation. I kind of want to see um, where it goes. But we're going to talk next about another, obviously, very fun team in a really interesting position in this draft. That's the Warriors with the fifth pick. That's coming up right after this. Say it with me now. Sports are back. We've all been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, and it's mybookie.ag. My bookie is a home run, a slam dunk, and a triple overtime game-winning shot all wrapped into one. And my bookie has all the ultimate odds for all your favorite teams. And with basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, tennis, everything else underway, 
There's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. Smart bettors are always looking toward the future. In this case, that means all kinds of basketball, hockey, and football action. MyBookie is taking bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games right now. And there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. If you join today, MyBookie will match your first deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free bet of $10 on a baseball future. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up to take advantage of this very, very generous offer from MyBookie.ag. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are very, very simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. All right, Wes, you have the floor. Number five pick in this mock is who? Right. With Ant- I was hoping Anthony Edwards would still be on the board, but I didn't think he would be after Atlanta had a chance to grab him, which they did. Um, Tyrese Halliburton was really high on my board as, the, as picking for the Warriors, but he went number two, surprisingly enough. So, you know, that leaves a couple of options out there. We mentioned James Wiseman earlier. He might be a guy that you could easily pencil in. The Warriors don't really have uh, a for sure starting center. Um, Aneke Akungwu could be an interesting pick. I thought more about Akungwu than I did Wiseman here. I just, I don't think Wiseman is a fit for goal. They just typically don't like guys like that. Kungu makes a little bit more sense as a switchable center, a little bit more versatile, better pass than Wiseman. But at the end of the day, I went with Devin Vassell out of Florida State just because of what he can do from a versatility perspective. This is a guy who can play the three and the four right away. He might be the best team defender in the draft, certainly one of the best one-on-one defenders in the draft, um, even though I would rank one guy a little bit higher than him. But if you think about what the Warriors lost when Kevin Durant left for Brooklyn, obviously they lost the scoring, right? We know that. But defensively, there is a huge hole, too, specifically that guy who can play small forward but move over to the four when Draymond Green moves to the five in, when, when they go to the death lineup. And they didn't have that. They just didn't have that when Durant left this last year. And they had one of the worst – they had the worst defense in the NBA. And they also had the worst offense in the NBA. They were the worst team in the NBA. But uh, – the offense is going to get better right away with Steph and Clay coming back. So to me, I was like, all right, the offense is going to be better. What can I do now to make the defense better? Because Steph and Clay coming back will help a little bit, but not dramatically. Uh, but if you go and get one of the top level defenders in this draft in Devin Vassell or Vassell, um, he's going to immediately improve the defense, even as a rookie. Um, and, and it was, it, and I think there's enough upside there um, offensively. They can, can hit threes right away. Um, there's, there's some interesting stuff from an athletic perspective that makes you think maybe he has a higher ceiling, but he can walk in right away and just basically be a three and D guy for a team that, that believes that they can return to contention next year. And that's kind of all they really need. So, uh, I went with Devin Vassell here. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a perfectly defensible pick like Vassell. I don't know if he has the highest upside, but if you're the Warriors, you don't necessarily have to swing that way because you just kind of need guys that fit. He's a very Warriors-y kind of player, in my opinion. Like the off-ball defense, mm-hmm. I think he can play on ball. He can shoot it. Um, he can fit. He doesn't really need the ball necessarily. I think he can be a guy that just, he fits really well there. And I think um, I'm not sure if I would have gone that way, but it's not. I'm not opposed to it in any way, shape, or form. If that makes sense. Like the Warriors have a really interesting spot. I think the Warriors and maybe the Hawks, but everybody else are in different positions. The Warriors are kind of in their own stratosphere in terms of these Elite Eight teams. Despite being the worst team in the league this year, they're just more set up for immediate contention. And Vassell is probably at least on the very short list of guys who might be able to help you early on that's not why you're picking him necessarily but he probably can help you at least in a rotational kind of way as a rookie in a way that most of these guys maybe can't 
And I think long term, he has some like ace role player potential where you get a, th- a traditional three and D piece, but they can do a little bit with the ball in his hands. I don't know. I like him a lot. Um, and yeah, I think that's uh, almost even better with the Warriors considering what they actually need. I love this pick for the Warriors for everything Brad just said. Um, I think obviously, I think the Unkungu pick could be real interesting just because it gives you a center. You know, if he works out and kind of gets mentored by Draymond, like that's like a really interesting kind of landing place for him, I think. But when I think about them, and Wes, you would know this better than any of us here. They just seem like a team, obviously, when with Steph, with Draymond, with a healthy clay next year. They just – I can't imagine this team is not a legit contender next year. And Vassell is a guy that strikes me as someone that even if he's not necessarily in your closing five in a, in a big playoff game, he's going to be able to compete for me from day one, provide minutes, provide smart team defense, provide all the stuff that really matters on good teams and fill some of that while also learning and, and getting to – to get developed in this culture that has these really, really guys. And I, I just think like for, for them, if they're not going to trade this pick and try to swing for the fences for another star or something like that with this pick, I feel like a guy like Vassell is, is kind of the, the most interesting outcome, particularly if like the, if they're at number one or number two, I feel like it's a little harder to do a pick like this because mm-hmm. you might as well just swing for the upside then because you're not, you might not get a chance again for a long time. But if you're at five, a guy like Vassell, to me is the perfect perfect fit for the Warriors and again unless they were to try to flip it for something else and I don't know if you think they might or if like you think that even makes sense for them but I I think Vassell is a great great pick there's a lot of people who think the Warriors are going to flip this pick and they might if the right trade is out there I've 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 tried every single scenario in the trade machine nothing makes sense unless like the Magic are willing to move off of Aaron Gordon and, and for some reason do that for a top five pick, which I don't think Orlando would want to do that, right? That's the other thing. Like, if there's a good young player out there, yeah, maybe you try to grab that player by trading a top five pick for him. But most of these teams don't want to take a step back. And even getting a top five pick in exchange for Aaron Gordon isn't, you know, or, you know, name your young player. That t- the, the team like the Magic would be taking a step back, and that's not something that they want to be doing. A lot of teams don't want to be doing that in the first place. Um, so I, I ultimately think the Warriors, even though they may try those options, are going to have to end up taking this pick. I think they'll be okay with it. And in their heart of hearts, they probably want the number one pick, but they're not going to be super disappointed if they end up with the fourth or fifth pick, right? Because of what you just said, Chris. I mean, if you're number one, you kind of you, – you may feel pressure to swing for the fences. I, I think if they have the number one pick, they're just going to they're gonna take Anthony Edwards and they're prepared for that. And he's kind of the best version of this uh, as far as can walk in and contribute right away, but also has the high upside. But with him off the board, thanks, Brad then um, you, you get a guy like Devin, Va- Devin Vassell who, you know, maybe doesn't have the highest upside, right? But the Warriors are in an interesting position where your high upside guy might not get enough playing time to reach that upside in Golden State. This is a veteran roster ready to make moves right away. James Wiseman can't walk in and play right away. I'm sorry, he can't. Everybody's, like, it's not just the small sample size that's the problem. It's the fact that he's not as developed as these other guys because he barely played in college. He's not... He's lost a, ba- a season of basketball, a year of basketball development. The Warriors don't have time to waste on that, right? They need they, – they have a three- or four-year window to, to go to a, an NBA Finals with Steph Curry. They can't wait two or three years for James Wiseman to get good. They just can't. They can't afford that. And the same thing goes with a guy like Lamelo Ball and all these other high upside but nonetheless projects that, that may or may not reach that upside, and they're certainly not going to reach that upside if, they don't, if they're not getting playing time. So the Warriors need help. They need depth. They not only lost Durant, but they lost Iguodala. They lost Sean Livingston. They need to add guys, but they need to add guys who can play. They need to add guys who can play 20 minutes in games that matter. And so when you're looking at when – you're, when you're the Warriors and you're looking who's on the board here at number five, 
you say, well, who can play right away? I think a guy like Vassell can certainly play right away. Like I said, walk in, play good defense, hit threes. That's your job. Just go do that. And he can definitely do that. He projects as able to do that. And, you know, I think a lot of Warriors fans throughout the season said, well, you know, this is going to be the worst team in the league. This is going to be our Tim Duncan draft. You're just going to add, like, this franchise player to a team that's already good, et cetera. Um, and that never made any sense because there's no Tim Duncan in this draft. <laughs> but maybe this could be their Kawhi Leonard draft, right, where you have, like the Spurs had, Tony Parker, Manu, Tim Duncan, a, a team that won championships but was on the other side of 30 and aging out. You bring Kawhi in, and all he has to do, right, is walk in, play good defense, hit some threes, be versatile, just help, right, and just help in, certain, in playoff situations. And that's all he had to do. And eventually, because he's able to get on the floor, he develops in a way that he probably wouldn't have developed elsewhere. That's the best case scenario for what the Warriors are doing. And when you're looking at who's on the board, maybe Vassell's not that bad compared to other high upside guys because he's going to get on the floor and he could develop long-term better than those guys would have in that situation. Yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world. Um, I, I think – for me, if I were the Warriors, he, he's a guy that I'd, I don't know what your civic look like, but to me, he'd be like a top three, four guy on the Warriors board. So even if they're three, like I think he yeah, has yeah. to kind of be in discussion. Absolutely. No, I think for them, it would, I think their board is going to look very different than other boards uh, for all the reasons yeah, that should. we've been talking about. But um, Anthony Edwards is probably number one. I know they like Devin Vassell. I know they like his teammate, Patrick Williams from Florida State. Like they, they like Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. Like, there's a, there's a type of player we're talking about, right? Like, those are the guys. They like Tyrese Halliburton. Um, these are sort of the guys that they're looking at. Yeah. Fred, any final thoughts here? No, I think we probably covered it. I mean, again, the, the biggest thing for me is that the Warriors are just kind of in their own world in terms of these Elite Eight teams. We've all kind of said that, but it's just worth repeating that, uh, you know, in a vacuum, boards will look different, but the Warriors honestly just should approach this, this draft, especially if it's not at the very, very top, much differently than the other teams. And I think they're doing that here. That makes sense. Yeah, all, all very true. There. All right, one last break here, and then we're coming back. I'm up drafting for the Cavs at number six. And it's kind of – I'm curious to see what these guys think of the pick right after this. Okay, so here's, here's where I sit at number six. Um, Devin Vassell was going to be my pick if he was there. I love him as a guy uh, <laughs> to fill Cavs' needs. As you guys, I'm sure, know, the Cavs are an objective – disaster on defense um if they could just get anyone with a pulse as a help defender and a team defender i i would be absolutely in love so i love Vassell for that reason um this week i've been writing about room protection so i i did consider Ankungu. um i did consider james wiseman but i went with isaac okoro for a couple of reasons number one the versatility number two the the guy has just like looks just kind of like the big kind of strong wing and projects out as that kind of player um, although the shot is a concern, and that's the type of guy that Cavs really do need, frankly. It just don't, all their wings are kind of lean, kind of not really bulky guys. Um, and then I, I look at just kind of how they're approaching this. The Cavs are kind of a weird organization in that, like, they're, they don't tip their hand except when you, like, the two, the two people that have the most prominent beats in the market, like, kind of end up writing about the guys that they're actually most interested in. And there's been a lot of, a lot of Isaac Okoro uh, ink spilled. And I know they like him. I know they're – They've, they scouted him a bunch at Auburn. Um, so for me, he's the pick. Again, I, I think Vassell would have been my pick. Had I got to pick between those two. And I, I, I think Okungu is a really interesting pick for the Cavs. The Andre Drummond thing just kind of scares me off from, from drafting mm-hmm. a center right now. So I go Cora. What do you guys think? I, I think it's a great pick. Uh, it makes a lot. Like, Okora is the best one-on-one defender in this draft. 
it's not even close. And so you put him on the Cavaliers, their defense is just going to be better. And you're right, they were atrocious. So what can you do to make that defense better? Bring in a Coro. And the offense is going to be better. Like, that, that is coming along, right? Like, there are guys, there's interesting things happening on that side of the ball in Cleveland. Um, but Okoro can benefit from a lot of what's going on with Sexton and Garland and the development of, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., all these guys. And uh, all, he doesn't have to be this offensive threat. He just needs to do his job. And that's just be an awesome one-on-one defender and team defender and, and unlock some interesting versatile lineups. And the other thing is, like what you said, Chris, it's really hard. Like, not only, the Cavaliers don't have a lot of big wings, but a bit, the NBA doesn't have a lot of big wings. Like, these, these guys are hard to find. Okoro's massive. He's, like, and he's, he's an he's a uh, underrated athlete, I think. He reminds me a little bit um, physically-wise, like, athletic-wise, of, like, Andre Iguodala. He's got a very similar frame, similar version of athleticism. I think he can help um, not only improve the defense, but because of that athleticism, uh, improve some transition opportunities too, where he's he's jumping passing passing lanes, he's getting steals, he's maybe just doing a Kawhi and yanking the ball away from other guys, and just and and using that athleticism to to get some transition buckets on the other end. Um, this is this is a really good pick, I think, for you guys. Yeah, I'm also a big Okoro fan. I would have uh, candidly considered him at four if Edwards went three to Minnesota, like I thought he might at one point in this mock. Uh, the Hawks also have a lot of buzz around Okoro. Uh, I had Sam Vecini mm-hmm. on my podcast of The Athletic, and he mentioned to me on, on the air that he, he's been hearing the Hawks like Okoro a lot. I've also heard that. So part of that would, would have been the, just trying to be realistic in some ways there. I think that the Hawks do like him, but I also do. I think the shot is obviously the big question, but I'm of the mind that he can be a good player without the shot. Uh, obviously, you want him to not be like a complete non-shooter. That's kind of the barrier that you're looking for because that is hard to overcome. But he's a hard worker by all accounts. I've heard like incredible character stuff on Okoro. The, the defensive stuff is just out there. Obviously, on ball-wise, like you guys have just said, he's really, really good. I think he feels the game really well. I think his passing's underrated. He's a really good finisher offensively. Mm-hmm. His basketball IQ is really high. I don't know. There's, there's a lot to like about Isaac Okoro. And uh, for a Cavs team that doesn't have a lot of uh, guys like him in terms of just like filling in the gaps, playing defense, uh, all, the, all the Cavs' best prospects are really offense-focused players i know with all respect to kevin porter jr who actually has some athleticism the backcourt is going to have uh, some defensive struggles for all time uh sorry chris but no, no 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 it's it's extremely accurate i i i spent this week basically just being like can i clone yusuf nurkic and put him <laughs> in the middle of the Cavs defense so they actually have someone with a pulse at the back line because i i watch so much andre drummond say that even though he gets blocks and stuff i'm just like oh my god this is not gonna work yeah i mean right, no, I, I think a court was a good pick uh, Ahead, yeah, and Okoro's role in that in that sort of defense becomes, hey, because you know you draft a wing defender in the East when all the good wings in the East sort of left, so he might not have as much <laughs> to do, but uh, he's versatile enough where you can just put him on the best offensive player every night. If that offensive player happens to be a point guard, that's fine, and his job just becomes that from day one. The other thing I'll say about the, the shot aspect, I guess, is that the Cavs do internally believe that they have like a pretty good system for player development and kind of working on guys' shots. Um, and I think, rec- like, in, if you want to look at recent tra- recent history, Jetty Osmond has become a better shooter since he came to the NBA, and that's all been in Cleveland. Um, you have Kevin Porter Jr.'s shot, I think, has become better, and he's more a more comfortable as a shooter than he was when he came into the league. And Colin Sexton to his credit. And some of this is because Colin Sexton is an absolute weirdo who just like doesn't do anything, but like play basketball. Like that's really all he wants to do with his life. He doesn't have like, he needs a hobby. Basically he came into the league and couldn't shoot. 
like it just wasn't something he did. There was a game in his rookie year where he dribbled in from a wide open corner three and took a mid-range jump shot. Now he's like a legit 38, 39% three-point shooter at a pretty decent volume. Um, he had a month last year where he slumped very badly and shot like 11%, comes back the next month and is shooting like above 40% on higher volume that month. The Cavs, again, Sexton deserves credit for him. All these guys deserve individual credit. But I do believe that they have a really strong system of actually developing guys. And if they believe that a core shot can be developed and they're willing to give him time and the room and space to do that, I don't think that's a bad bet to take. It's not like I look at the guys that I could have taken, whether that's Wiseman, Anyaka Kungu, um, you know, Denny Avija, like any of those guys, I don't consider those guys locks above a core to be a, a similar better player. And, and I love the point you said about uh, big wings, Wes, just like, I love Grant Williams last year just because, like, the dude is, like, actually really big and can move, and those guys are rare. Like, you don't see many NBA wings who look like they should be playing, like, middle linebacker in the NFL. And I kind of have a, a weird soft spot for those guys because they become really valuable when you need to defend these really big, skilled wings. Um, and even if, you're t- if your version of that is not, like, an all-star, all-world player, like, if you have a guy that can at least match them physically and be really good – and you can get to like 90% of P.J. Tucker or something like that, that's a freaking good thing to have on your team and almost essential in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I still – No, go ahead, Brad. Go, no, it's okay. Uh, I, I still would um, – I'm not saying he's like an absolute no-brainer to Cleveland. Like you have to take him there for sure. I mean, w- would a Kong be fine? I, I think so. But you mentioned drum thing. That's, that's part of this. And, again, I mean, fit isn't – fit shouldn't be the priority in this in the top in the top five or six especially as a rebuilding team but I think he does have upside too I mean I know that the the jump shooting makes it seem like he doesn't have a ton of upside but honestly he has some creation ability if he figures out how to shoot the upside is actually pretty pretty darn high especially when you factor in the defense the way that he feels the game and even again even without it I, I firmly believe he could be a really really good player if he's just like a even a below average shooter just like not don't be Andre Robertson basically as a shooter and there's a lot of uh, a lot of runway here with the core. Yeah, his developmental path is similar to what Justice Winslow's was, and um, I and that's not a bad thing. I mean, Justice, I thought Justice Winslow was get, like coming along. It was just injuries were what kind of derailed his career, um, and so as long as the court doesn't those sort of things, he should be okay. I think I, I would have given a lot of thought to Denny here if I were Cleveland, just because he can walk in, he could play both wing positions for you. Um, he's he's an uh, a next level playmaker. He's apparently working on that jump shot. If you believe his Instagram, like stories that are posting every day or whatever, um, he, he's productive. Like, right. He just won the MVP of his league uh, for the playoffs for his league. And uh, I think that could be really enticing, but you know, if you're Cleveland, I think you also want a guy who's not going to be Anthony Bennett and is going to do something at any level uh, basketball wise. And um, I think with a Coro, he's safe. Right, like you know, he's just gonna be good. Like I, as a defender, he's just gonna help. You know that. Um, where I don't know that you have that with Denny. Like he could be, he could be a high ceiling guy who becomes, you know, the next European sensation, or he could be Dario Saric. We don't know. And so with Okoro, I think you know something at least as far as his as his uh, his ceiling is concerned, his floor. Uh, and um, I, I, just, I just say you know what his floor is going to be. And uh, you know that that ceiling is still pretty high and he's going to have the opportunity to hit it in Cleveland, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, too, if you're the Cavs, like, I think you pretty much know you're not going to get your guy in this draft. Like, you're not going to get the, your Trey Young and all that clear out of this draft. And mm-hmm. I don't. I personally am of the opinion that they don't have that guy, although I think KPJ and Sexton 
um, in particular, kind of have a chance to be good players on good teams. Um, we'll see about Darius. But I think, like, you're hoping, like, okay, the guy you get this year, if you're in a position next year to get Cade Cunningham or whomever the next, like, young stud is going to be, I think that's what you're hoping, is that the guy you're getting now is really going to support your infrastructure as you kind of move forward a little bit. Um, all right, so that wraps up our mock, guys. I, I like – Number one, I was very happy to be paired with you two. We're we're locked on OGs, and you're you guys are great. Mm-hmm. But I I, I kind of like. I think for me, it was interesting to bump down a little bit and not pick like as high. I picked two in number one, and then uh, three in the second one. I was glad to get bumped down a little bit because it is a very likely outcome based on how the drafts or how the odds work out, and you know, it we don't really know yet exactly how this is going to turn out because we're we're still ten or nine days away from the lottery. Yeah, I'm definitely spoiling Hawks fans with these mocks because they're more likely to be outside the top four than in the top four, and they were in the top four all three of these. So uh, hopefully Hawks fans won't, won't get too uh, excited by, uh, by by these results in terms of the Techathon Sims and that the lottery might, might not be as kind, but I hope it will be for their sake. Yeah, Chris, talking about wanting to do this podcast with the three of us, I'm pretty sure if you just switched the entire order of this draft, of this mock draft, we all would have taken the same three players, right? Like, whoever ended up with four would have taken Anthony Edwards because you sort of have to. But you like Devin Vassell, uh, so you probably would have taken him where I took him, and then I probably would have taken Okoro where I, – I just think we all ended up take, gravitating toward the same players in this interesting part of, like, the mid-lottery. So, um, no, I think this, this made a lot of sense. And, um, you know, it's good because, like, the Warriors were picking at the top of the two mocks that I was doing too. And there's a better chance they end up at five than there is number one, despite having the worst record in the league. And this sort of reflected that. Yeah, I, I really, really like that. Um, but if you guys want to check out the rest of the mock, Locked on Hornets, Locked on Pistons, Locked on Timberwolves, Locked on Knicks, and Locked on Bulls, uh, we'll have you covered and check out all of the shows on Locked on Network. We're back covering teams as much as we possibly can. And, you know, us delete eight teams are going to actually get some stuff here coming soon in terms of the draft lottery. And I'm going to milk that for all of its worth, but uh, <laughs> for myself, for Wes, for Brad, this has been the locked on Cavs, locked on words and locked on Hawks draft crossover. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to y'all soon.